Hey, so uh, welcome to the latest installation of the House 94 podcast. Tonight, we have a special guest. As you know, we try to keep it provocative, not always the same, like, you know, group think uh, type of posture. We try to stay relevant and all of that. And tonight, we have a special guest, Mr. Don Brown, who comes to us uh, just to kind of talk a little bit of politics. Uh, this is not going to be your typical political discussion show. We're going to have uh, some good, you know, back and forth banter. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep it respectful and keep it friendly. So, first off, I'll you know, welcome Mr. Brown. Thank you for coming out and being with us today. Uh, just to give you a quick summary of his expertise and his experience, uh, Don has extensive experience in commercial real estate banking, primarily related to re residential interim real estate business development, management, underwriting, portfolio management, and asset disposition and resolution. His other experience includes project management, business performance development, uh, and presentation, budget and development, uh, presentation, budget development, and financial performance uh, preparation reporting. Um, as you go down his resume, you'll see a litany of different banking institutions, uh, you know, in different nuanced areas of the banking industry. But um, he brings a wealth of experience in the financial industry and is a business partner of our esteemed colleague, Mr. Johnson. So we want to talk about politics tonight. And uh, it may not be a surprise, but we wanted to bring Mr. Brown on tonight because he is a Trump supporter. And uh, we like to do point, counterpoint, and kind of get other perspectives. So tonight we've got a, a host of topics we're going to cover. But, um, you know, like I said, we'll be going um, It's not necessarily point, counterpoint, per se. We want to glean an understanding from the other side, if you will. Um, and like we talked about before, we're going to try to avoid what about ism and we're going to try to, you know, keep it friendly and uh, keep it informative. Um, and like I said, we've got a variety of topics to cover, so we'll just jump right in. But I guess my first question, considering what's been on the news, you know, all day and all weekend, what do you think about the current posture of, your pre of the president, now uh, you're the president, our president, and his, yep, our president, and his refusal to concede? God, that's a, that's a tough one. That is, um, you know, he's, I guess, searching for, I, you know, he's searching for answers to to a situation that that he that i you know i'm not going to speak for him but statistically is does not look or smell good <laughs> and so um you know he's he i think he said it a few weeks ago it's it's easy to win it's very hard to lose and so he feels and whether right wrong or indifferent and and, and candidly, gentlemen, I've been tied up at business for the last working on some stuff, big some stuff, and I, I, I've all lost almost lost faith in all the press. So I'm not, even though you may call me an ardent Trump supporter, um, I really haven't paid attention much to the to the news as much as I probably should have before before I got on this podcast. But he's, you know, he, there's a lot of irregularities with the voting and the and the and the ballots and everything. I, I think he's just looking for personally, I think he's just looking for confirmation that he, that he did lose and, and concrete confirmation. So if you were, you know, God, he's, he's not a, he's not a politician. Um, so he doesn't any, and I think he, given his personality does not take losing well, nor will he give it up well, but, Come around January 20th or 
in the short order with the elect electoral college votes, He'll, they will vote and he will he will cede the office like he has to and and uh, like he will, like every American president has and move on. And, and the country will move forward with a new president and we'll we we together will have a new president. But I mean, so you're generally OK with the, the antics that are going on in terms of like he's talking about martial law in, uh, the, in the swing states. Um, they want to go and they want to sequester all the voting machines. You know, I, that's that's acceptable behavior from a sitting president. I, I think. I think that's going to settle down here shortly. I mean, it's, he's got, he's got, <laughs> so, you know, he's, he's got 30, he's, he's got 30, he's got 30 days. He, he's got 30 days, whether, whether it'll be interesting to see what happens around January 19th, you know, but I, it, it will have to, it will have to, the, the, it will have to run its course and, and we'll see what happens. I don't yeah, agree yeah. with any of that. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I still say it's, uh, there was a, I got a, a, I could pull it up and I'll shoot it to co Michael, but statistically it, 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 it's kind of odd when the Republicans won seats in the house, when they won seats locally and look, you know, if I, I'm, I'm not a, a down the, down the line Republican voter either. I'm, I'm for the person I think is going to do well for, for everybody. And, um, but I think that statistically, when the, again, when they pick, when the Republicans pick up seats in the House, they pick up seats in local elections, and all of a sudden, votes change nationally. Uh, I don't know; it, it doesn't. It's, it's well, a little one thing I can say is the Republicans fared better in the election than they did in the polls. So all the polling leading up to the election, it, we were expecting a full wipeout, including taking the state of Florida. Right. Which didn't yeah. happen. So I think the Republicans outperformed in a lot of areas, but it shouldn't be too surprising based on the, you know, the polling that had been taking place. And they changed the polling process from 2016 to 2020 based on how they how wrong they were before. So they try to be a little bit more conservative in their approach to polling. So I don't know if I'd say it's like you know, abnormality or, or, you know, irregularity. It seems just like, you know, the people I would assume the people in certain states just said they were tired of it. And if you look at Arizona, for example, I mean, he dishonored John McCain on numerous occasions, unnecessarily. You know, it's an American war hero. Um, and after doing something like that, and they had a really strong uh, Democrat running for that Senate seat, I mean, it kind of makes sense that he would care that uh, Biden would carry the state. But, you know. Yeah, may have. Um, uh, you look at most of the counties in Arizona, most of them went Republican. Um, but you also look at uh, uh, he did trash McCain quite quite a bit. And so, you know, was that look again, I, I don't agree with everything Trump did or the way he did it. That was I got you. he's not a politician. Um, no, no, I would visit to say we can't really use I that. As I but I would I would I would say this. Yeah, I would have left McCain alone. <laughs> hey, but Don, Don, you said you weren't a uh, a Republican. You wasn't uh, always a Republican, right? You said not no, that I, was, I was always a Republican. He was always a Republican, but okay. Were you a Trump? Did you did you support Trump before he was president because yeah, of yeah. his background in commercial real estate? And and you know because you're in commercial real estate is 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 that one of the reasons why? 
Oh, no, 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 okay. no, no, no. I mean, I think, you know, um, I felt he was uh, uh, the candidate, the best candidate at the time. Mm-hmm. At that time. Yeah. And I'll take you, you know, and I'll tell you, you know, in, in, in uh, when Obama was running, mm-hmm. I voted for him because I felt he was the best candidate at the time. And I voted for him two times in a row, two elections in a row. So when you when when you when you make so what, when vote, I say when I say and I'm an ardent Republican, mm-hmm. I am a Republican. But again, I told you that I was going to vote for the guy who I thought was the best guy for the office. Gotcha. And you still think Trump is now? Yeah, I do. Can you just give us a little bit on that? And after this, yeah, we'll yeah. jump into the, the issues. I'd love to hear your take on that. After you know a lot of the different things we've seen Trump do in action, um, and some things that he didn't do. I'd be really interested in seeing like what your overall take is and why you think he's still. Uh, the best option. Well, I mean, I, you know, I don't think Biden is a good leader. I just don't. He, mm-hmm. he, there's so many cases and so many state misstatements. And I mean, I give Trump is Trump is Trump is Trump, but Biden has, is not. Well, hang on, hang on one second. Hold on. But so against Biden versus Trump, I'm voting for, I voted for Trump. But, okay, you just mentioned misstatements, right? Trump is on record as having lied more than any president in, the, in American history. So is it okay for him to do it because he's Trump, but it's not okay for Biden to have misstatements? Because I don't like, Biden's had a lot of uh, inartful statements and a lot of gaffes, if you will. So I get that part. I remember that. And he's had some issues of plagiarism and, you know, some different things about speech. Some issues. Done. <laughs> uh, I, a good number of issues. But I guess my point is, but in comparison to Donald Trump, who's had a history of lying on a regular basis, I mean, that he gets a pass I, for that? You know, I'm, I'm not going to debate that. I'm still here to say I think between Trump and Biden, Trump's a better leader. Can I ask a question? Sure. Jay, go for it. Yeah. Go, Jay. Oh, well, so are you a Trump supporter uh, based upon the market, you know, based upon the principles of free trade, uh, just basic Republican marks, market principle ideas that, you know, you know, uh, the business interest that he represents or whatever. Are you a Trump supporter because of that? And he's a better leader in that regard? Or is it something, you know, is it something else? Because what, what I see, I, I have a uh, I won't say friends, but I have colleagues who are Trump supporters who but are Republicans in the sense that they believe in free market principles or what have you. And they look they don't look at his gaffes. They don't look at his lies. They don't look all at all at other stuff. They just look at how he you know, affects them. And so and I'm so I'm wondering whether or not you and I don't want to I'm not calling names, but I'm, I'm I just want to say, are you looking at from a more selfish standpoint of what he has done or what he can do for me and in the business that I am. No, no, I'm not. Mm -hmm. I think the business I'm in now is, is actually the, the, the business that we've transitioned to is, is uh, a little bit more recession proof. And, uh, and so I'm not as, I'm not as, as uh, looking at it for me personally, I think as a leader, you know, I'll say this and then let's move on to the next thing. The guy is unapologetically pro-American. He, he, he believes in America. He's not going to back down. He, you know, 
made NATO member mem, uh, member NATO countries pay their or start to pay their fair share share after just kowtowing to lip service all those years. He has he renegotiated NAFTA agreements. Right, wrong. I you know you don't know what the the effects are on that right now because it takes years to actually get those downstream effects. He stood up to China. China has raped this country's intellectual property. And he actually, he stood up to him. He, from what I've read, and I haven't read a whole lot, granted, but I've read quite a, a few things. They were really, they were hurting very badly until this pandemic hit because of the tariffs and his, and his fighting the Chinese with fair trade and bringing either a forcing companies to move out of China, which for example, Vietnam had, uh, it's kind of ironic. Vietnam had, a, had a, not a ton of capacity, but they had quite a bit of, uh, 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 manufacturing capacity prime in, in, in and around Da Nang, which is their big port. Uh, you can remember Da Nang and, uh, was a, was a, a big U S base when before, mm -hmm. well, most y'all don't know that remember that, but, uh, Da Nang was a big U S base and it had a, a pretty good, well, that, that industrial capacity was absorbed almost overnight. So it brought China down to force them to be a fair trade player, not with just the U S but with the, with the world. And, and, you know, they, I'm sure he tried to do it backdoor and, and Hey guys, we got to do this and we got to do that. And many presidents have, I mean, uh, Republican and Democrat have, have, have placated the Chinese. He actually stood up and fought for it, brought some jobs back. Don't know what's going to happen now, four years, four years later or two years into it. I know it, it, it was hurting the Chinese economy and hopefully it was bringing them to get to a, a better agreement, but then the pandemic, this pandemic hit. And so, you know, it's changed. But, Biden, Biden will be president. The, the Don, when you say pro-America, when you say pro-America, he's all the way pro-America. It's pro in, 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 in the things that you describe. Is that really helping Americans or is it just making us bullies? You know, I whether you're standing up for what you believe is right and you know, is there a new world order where where we where you have to you have to get along? You have to uh, you have to step step lightly with these countries that are blatantly taking advantage of the United States. I think if he stood up to China, yeah, I mean, I'd be he's pro-American. He's fighting for you know companies that to retain their intellectual property instead of it being wiped out in front of them on a manufacturing line that's right next to theirs which is exactly what's happened over there and um so it's it's I, well i mean the only thing i would say on that one is the tariffs i think were set up not based on trying to protect intellectual property they were just set up because he talked about the trade deficit with china and he wanted to equalize that by punishing china by putting on their tariffs and forcing people to buy american goods and I don't really know that the jobs came back from China because, you know, the manufacturing sector is gone and it's not coming back, just like coal's not coming back. But there's no need to argue at that point. Um, the question I would have when you say pro-America and he stands up for America all the time is, what about the relationship with Russia? 
We've got right now the largest cyber attack that's ever happened in our history. We had the bounties that were put on American troops overseas. He said nothing about that. Um, you know, one could venture to say that he was not opposed to that election interference that allegedly took place in 2016. So he didn't, you know, put any sanctions on that. But if you even look at the, the recent history of actions with Russia, he said nothing. Yeah. They, I mean, I, what did, what did, okay. The cyber attack happened recently. This past yeah, it's going on last, last weekend. Well, it's going on, well, it just got discovered. It's been going on for the last year, they said. Yeah. It's been a breach. It's been so going I don't on for last year. We'll see. Do we know what the full response is and what the full response has been? Has it been disclosed? I, you know. Well, I mean, Trump has been completely silent on it. He's not made any public statements. Uh, both um, the Secretary of State, uh, Pompeo, and even Bill Barr, although he's kind of leaving in disgrace right now. Yeah, Barr. He's on Barr's the outs gone. with Trump right Barr's now. Barr's on the yeah. out, yeah. Um, Bill Pompeo, they, I guess, is trying to say yeah. salvage his uh, career, but they, everybody, all the intelligence community has agreed that this was a Russian breach. So there's no question that's that. The only person that hasn't acknowledged this is President Trump. And so that's kind of, and it's kind of selective, right? I mean, because you can't on one hand be pro-America on one aspect, with China, not yeah. be pro-America on another, we, right? Yeah, but we also don't know what response has been taken. Maybe, no maybe they haven't disclosed it. We don't know. I can tell you, I, you know, I would think they probably, if it's just gotten out now, they've known about it. They have fought it. They've probably counterfought it. We don't, we don't know all the answers. A lot of that pro stuff's probably top secret, and we just we don't know. But the same guy who will brag about the actions he'll take against China or anybody else will be always silent whenever something happens with Russia. Mm. And that and that's what makes it non-credible, because we know this is a president that does not, you know, he's, he's not that discreet. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's keep it moving. He's not shy about his comments. Well, 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 hold on. Before we, before we move on, I, I do want to kind of stay with the pro-American topic just for a hot second because it sounds like you're speaking of pro-American from a commerce and international piece. But part of being pro-American is a United Nation, right? A United country. And part of his leadership, what uh, he's been attacked on, is the fact that he has allowed for divisiveness in the country. So how can you say he's a pro-American president when he allows for such behavior to occur? Well, I, you know, divisiveness, I, has, has he gotten, you know, everything? What I said a few minutes ago is the press is the press. It's very polarizing now. They're very, they're very, uh, I don't think I've I don't think I've seen the full story of, you know, if I go to Fox, I don't see the full story from some of the Democratic side. If I go to CNN, I certainly don't see the full story on the Republican side. So, I mean, you know, in this age of in instant gratification on news media, you're getting snippets and you can draw your own conclusions. It's just it may not be the full story and you're not getting the full story. Mm -hmm. And so uh, uh, it's the, but it, but you, but you the, can't the rush the rush to judge the rush to judge mm -hmm. and the rush to react quickly without thinking mm -hmm. it through is is probably you know as is making it more divisive than than it than it has been ever or mm -hmm. it certainly in quite a long time yeah but, but but you can't create a perspective a perspective to 
and you being pro make and quite you were on to it. You you said this is a nation that, but we left out that spiritual side under God. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the spiritual side that we have a we we don't speak on, and everybody is just shunning away from it. And here we got a president. Hell, can't even hold the Bible right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that's. that's I mean, what but, it is. but I but, mean, but the, but the movement away, the, the look, the mm-hmm. movement away, the movement away from, I don't know, kind of moral platform or, or, hey guys, let's let's treat each other better. Platform has been it, it has been going away for a long, long time. He definitely did not create that. You are correct. He and, did not create that. You know the yeah. the uh, um, unfortunate separation of church and state, but you just the lack of. Let's see if I say this correctly. The lack of discipline that's that doesn't exist in our school system, and lack of respect that's not. Furthered in our school system as raising a bunch, raising a young, a whole generation that is maybe morally off off compass. I'm not saying yeah, I appreciate that. I'm not saying they're I good. They're that, just, but I guess what I speak, they're just you know they're just come on guys. Yeah. Well, no, I appreciate what you're saying. I guess when I'm when I speak about the divisiveness, though, I think as a leader, we he sees what's going on, and he's not the cause of any of these radical groups. So I'm not placing blame at his feet in that sense. What I'm getting at though is leaders, when there are uh, challenges, wars, battles going on and they want peace, right? They really want peace. They're thinking to be in this case, like you said, pro-American, a leader will step up and just say, Hey, look, let's squash it. And you know, we, we seen that in um, not in this entirety in this black community, but you can use an example like gang wars, where you have gang members or gang leaders who put together, I mean, uh, put to bed their differences. And so at any point in time, as a leader of this free country, right, he had the ability to, to, to stop any kind of madness in terms of just suggesting some level-headedness, some sensibility, and some level of peace. Well, maybe, you know what, maybe he did, and it wasn't reported that way. You don't think they would have reported that from Donald, about Donald Trump? <laughs> no, I think, look, I think, I think that. That would have been, been news one. <laughs> well, That would have been news one, definitely. I think, you know, part of his speeches, and part of his talks have been taken out. Have They've only reported part of it, not all of it. And it's it's the report. Well, it's the part that they want to report to further, Don, their, to further their agenda. And I'm not just saying, hold on, I'm, let me finish here. It's not just, it's just not Fox. I mean, it's, it's. It's both sides. And so it's it's um, it's a very polarizing press corps or press groups that we have now and news groups that we have now. So, you know, he I look, I've not met him. I, I again, I think that he would want this. He wants this country as the president and as himself to be as harmonious as possible. Um has he has the results been that way? Mm, probably not. But the but the press is the press is as partisan as I've ever seen it. 
and as and fighting for against it. And it, what I'm what I'm worried about with a new president coming in is how he will be treated. Because the pendulum never stays in the middle. The pendulum swings both ways. So it's going to be interesting to see how the next year, how how Biden next two years, four years, Biden's treated. And I hope he's treated better than Trump was. I mean, the morale, the morale is down. The morale is down. In, 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 for is the morale down because of this the pandemic and well, the, the I mean, viciousness, it, it, or is the morale down? I mean, this is a it's been an awful year for a lot yeah, of reasons. But I tell you what, a year ago, the country was in a good mood. Yeah, it was. I mean, unemployment I, was historically low, mm, but not I, not not everybody was. Well, making good, good the number why the numbers were unemployment was historically low. Was everyone fully employed? Hold on. That's a fact. Yeah. That's a fact. Now, um, oh, wait, hold on. There it is also a fact I mean, that unemployment. Hold on, Chuck. It's also a fact that unemployment was on a downward trajectory when Trump came in the office. So it's not like, you know, unemployment was going up and he came in and it started going down. Yeah. Just like the stock market was going up when he came in office and then went to historic highs after he became president. That's a fact. Right. right? Well, but you can't the discount the, office, the fact that the guy in the office is going to take the credit. True, but it was a trend. It's not like he reversed course, although he tried to reverse course and prove everything Obama did his entire presidency. But let's, uh, oh, so two things I want to mention before we move on. One, I do watch some news. I also watch C-SPAN. So I try to get like I only got to watch like the whole congressional hearing in context as it's presented. So sadly, that's my life. But <laughs> um, but I do watch the news, too. But I'll, I'll try to get things, you know, in context so we don't have to have those kinds of uh, arguments. So what what do you what's your what's your take on the press right now, then? Um, OK, so I think Fox News is um, virtually unwatchable um, because they're, it's so partisan. That it's just it's hard to even stomach it. Um, and CNN, I don't give them a lot of credibility either. Um, MSNBC is also quite partisan in the evening. But I'll give you a note about MSNBC, and I'll I'll show you the difference between them and Fox. All right. So when you remember Weiner, Anthony Weiner, you remember him, yeah. right? Yeah, oh, the yeah. guy that uh, the pervert. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when Anthony Weiner. He's, he's, he's like that New York guy, right? Yeah, he showed yeah. he showed his wiener. He showed yeah, his he showed his wiener, <laughs> and his wife is that was that Puma, woman that Puma, worked for Hillary. Puma, Puma, yep, yeah, yeah. Puma right? Yeah. So you're now when that story broke, MSNBC dogged his ass every single night, every night. I would ask you to give me a single example of Republicans being dogged on Fox News ever in history. They I, don't do that. They don't yeah, do that. I don't know. Yeah. Wiener, he got eviscerated. Hillary Clinton, they talk about her emails every single day on Morning Joe for almost two hours. I used to tweet Morning Joe every morning asking, what is up Mika's ass? Because all they talk about is Hillary's emails, right? <laughs> they had Trump on there and gave him free reign as much as he wanted to get on, for example. Fox doesn't do that. So when I talk about the, the difference to me, the fact that MSNBC will present uh, Democrats in a negative light, whereas Fox doesn't, to me, that gives them a little bit more credibility. Yeah. But I can agree they are definitely left-leaning. Um, now, they always you, want one, hold on, one more thing I'm going to tell you about that. 
if you are lying and you are known to be lying, it isn't biased if they call you out for lying. Okay. Would you agree with that? I agree. Yeah. Right. So a lot of times Republicans say the media is unfair, but it's like, bro, if you're going to come on my show and lie to me or lie to the American people, can I not, am I just supposed to say it's okay and just let it go? Yeah. Are you a liar? <laughs> or you're a liar. Say <laughs> so you're a liar. Well, they call him a liar. Yeah, go ahead, Jay. Jay, what do you think about the press? Uh, personally, I mean, I, I see both sides uh, to where it is is very partisan. It's very, I mean, it's not watchable. I try to watch an equal amount of Fox News as I do uh, MSNBC. I watch CNN or what have you. Um, I, you know, as a thinking person, I'm able to filter out BS when I see it. So I don't really sit there and say, oh, well, you know, I'm obviously not going to believe everything that I hear. Um, but I, I will say this, like on the Fox News side, on the right, and whether it be Fox News, OAN or Newsmax, it, it just seems to be just so radical. Like it's just, it's, uh, you know, everything is just so angry and so like, you know, they demonize and hate. There's like a seething hate for anything that's not on the right. Like you can feel the hatred, like you can feel like, darn, you know, I think CNN is more reactionary. I think that, you know, it 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 is definitely not where it was 10 years ago, but because of all the you know, you know, Trump used to come on CNN all the time, right? Back before he became president. And then, you know, he started talking shit about him or whatever. And they started to become reactionary. They started taking offense. And I think that's where they are now. They're like, okay, if you're going to talk shit about us, that's how we're yeah. going to do the yeah. same thing. Yeah. They're on the rails, for sure. Yeah. And so I think CNN is on a reactionary. I agree with KB with respect to MSNBC. I think that they are, they're a little bit more level-headed. Um, however, you know, I am one of those Democrats that I can't stand folks that get all emotional and I can't stand Rachel Maddow because it's like, like, man, stop bitching and crying about every guy. You know what I'm saying? So I, I get a little it gets a little too touchy feely for me. But I think they're from a just looking at them and looking at the their uh, the people that come on there and report the news, the diversity that I see on MSNBC is like no other. And that it's it just seems a little bit more above board, but it is definitely left leaning. I mean, it's it's definitely it's, there. It's um, just all, it's all polarizing. So, and so, who do you believe? I I, you know, I maybe. Well, say- that, the thing is, is that it's polarizing to an who? extent. But I think that you you read you read things like the um, you know like the uh, the Economist. You know, you read you know mag. You, what is it? You read. Put it that way. You don't look at videos. You don't there look you at go. TV. And that's the problem with the United States is majority of people do not read. And so if they read more of those line items, those the economists, those things that there are, have been centered down, you know, I think there might be a, a different issue, different, a different moral compass in the United States by now. But everybody is if if the right read a mag, any person on the right read the economist, they'd say it's left leaning and it's not, you know. And that's like a fair, that's like, you can't get any more balanced than the economy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I, think, I don't know. Yeah, but I, I mean, think, I think I, that's how I feel about it. I think 
a lot of it has to do with ideology and, and there's just there's two different ideologies that seem to run concurrent in the United States. And and obviously the news kind of falls in line with that. Right. Yeah. All right, well, let's news, time. Yeah, yeah, we are. We are moving on. Um, I will say you may not like Rachel Maddow, but we do love Tiffany Cross. She's our favorite. Um, so we're going to try now to get back on track. We're going to do some, uh, some actual topics here. First one I want to touch on is Second Amendment. So thinking about, about the typical Democratic position on the Second Amendment, uh, they'd like to implement universal background checks and a ban on assault weapons pretty much. Uh, the typical Republican position is that they are opposed to any restriction, res- registration, or regulation of any kind with respect to the Second Amendment. I guess my first question is, do you think, Don, that's a fair assessment of the Republican position? And uh, is that one that you can defend, that you would want to defend? Well, I, you know, I believe in the Second Amendment. I believe in the right. As we all do. Just like As that. we all do. Okay. Um, should there be some response? There should be some responsibility with that Second Amendment. And so with that, uh, is it, is legislating assault rifles um, going to take away assault rifles? That's a good You're question. asking that question? Yeah. I, I think that you're absolutely right. Legislating assault rifles at this particular point is not going to take away assault rifles because the assault rifles are already in the hands of the people who don't need to have them. Um, but where do you start when you have a situation like Sandy Hook, where you have mental illness all over the place where people are just coming up and I'm just going to take out, you know, 20 kids in an elementary yeah, that's, school? That's, you, a great, that's, a great, that's a great question. And I don't have the answer for that. I think that Sandy Hook has, was such a uh, preventable tragedy in so many ways. One the mother knew her son had issues. What does she do? Well, let's go shoot. Let's go, let's go start shooting. And let's, let's get this, let's get this sport in realized that he was dangerous with it. And can't remember. She didn't lock up the gun cabinet or didn't even have a gun cabinet. I can't remember that, but there was a lot of issues with, with allowing you know, the kid got off his medicine. The kid did this. The kid did that. Was the parenting the right parenting? I, you know, you could you can Monday morning quarterback Sandy Hook all day long, and it's not going to at all change the the fact that those precious babies were taken away. And um, you know, you look at you look at Chicago and the murder in Chicago every day of young of beautiful young kids that are killed every day and they're not killed by assault rifles. They're killed by other guns or by gang violence or whatever. I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's a, that's a great question. You, 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 the country has got to get, I think the ability to, to find some medium ground here to, to make it where, I mean, we're, we're all second amendment right believers, but is there responsibility with that right? There's always responsibility with the rights that are given. Is it is it is it being used? I can tell you correctly. Everybody I know who has an assault rifle is it lock, has it locked up in a cabinet and is a very responsible gun owner. Like probably everyone that you know. I, mean, well, I think well, we're all similar. We're all very similar with that. But what do you do? I don't know. It's it's a tough question. 
Well, it's a tough answer, and I don't I don't think I have the answer for you. And I don't want to be divisive because we all believe in the Second Amendment right to own a gun. Um, do you you know, there are background checks and that's that's in place. Um, it's, it's a great it's a it's something that can be debated. And and I don't I don't have the answer. and I don't want to fight about it because we all believe in the Second Amendment. It's just it's just how well. How, I, I, how, how do you police yeah. it and how do you how do you is it is it going to change i don't know i'm open i'm open to hear what you think well here's the thing i we're a country of laws we legislate everything right i mean that's that's the whole point of having a congress is to pass laws to protect right um and there's always the purpose of a law is to there's always going to be people who follow and the people who don't follow and we punish those who don't follow but we also have to put mechanisms in place for preventive behavior and i think that the nra and the other uh you know there's so many you know uh organizations uh who they have so much power and uh you know in lobbying yeah. control in in congress where they prevent you know, you know, really good legislation from being passed to legislate preventive behavior. And so I get, I, I guess I, I'm a Second Amendment uh, lover. I, I own, carry, whatever, but I cannot get with the fact that, you know, we do nothing because Sandy Hook isn't the only uh, issue. I mean, we were having problems with kids getting killed way before Sandy Hook. You know, it was in the 1990s when Columbine occurred, when I was right out of law school, you know. Uh, you know so, what? I mean, that's a great, that's another great, that's another, you know, preventable tragedy when you're, again, parenting. When your kids are dressing up in black and putting on black, you know, black long coats, putting on gothic makeup every day. And, and, and you're not interacting with your parents. You're not, you're not, you've lost that moral compass. Am I, but I isn't mean, that half the teenagers like half teenagers don't they dress in a way that is something that it, we wouldn't agree with it, you is, it your, it, is, is it your children I mean it may not be my children but a lot of times you don't have any control I, I don't want to get in that conversation but I think the issue becomes it's more to it than okay I have kids who dress up in these dark clothes so they must there must be something wrong with them so I, but let me go check I'm, it out Right. I'm not drawing. I'm not drawing that conclusion. What I drew was is those parents completely. Those parents com, uh, uh, did not interact well with their children. Did not know what their children were doing. I mean, I've got how many children do you have, Jack? Two. 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 How old? Eleven and sixteen. Okay, Co. You're you, you have four. Four boys. That's right. Four boys. Paul, Carl. I got one daughter. She's 15. <laughs> fun, fun, fun time's just about to begin. Big fun. Big fun. <laughs> so I have three. I have a boy and two girls, and they're 24, 21, and 18. And, uh, I mean, they may not – I know my youngest one didn't like to be around me this last year before she went to her freshman year in school, but she was around me, whether she wanted to want to be around me or not. Mm-hmm. And cool. so, uh, you know, you've got to – you got to parent. You've got to be involved in their lives. You got to, you know, Co-, Co Michael has all his four boys in soccer all the time. Um, 
I was involved in some sports with my kids and my, my youngest did competitive dance and, and stuff. And my wife was in involved with that with my youngest daughter. And, and, you know, it's just, it's parenting. But what about, well, let me ask, let me ask a question real quick. Prompt. You, so what do you think about the, um, the different ideas they've been floating around about having some uh, culpability for the parents and probably in, potentially prosecuting parents for kids to do things like that. Like the lady in uh, Illinois drove a son over Wisconsin during the rally and he ended up shooting some people, killing somebody. Um, do you think she should be held responsible for that? I, you know, that's a great question. Um, it, that's a rabbit hole that I, I it's going to be tough to, to, to answer. If he's under 18. I think, I think, what do you think? Do you think she should be held responsible? He was, he yeah. was yeah. under 18, so yeah. I think, well, I think this, yeah. If he's I under think, 18, then she should yeah. be, then then that person mm -hmm. may be an, an accomplice or, you know, she certainly yeah. aided and abetted, didn't she? But, I think as part of gun ownership, but, I think that gun ownership has, should have responsibilities. Yeah. It's yeah. just like I, driving I, a car I, I, or anything else. Absolutely. It's just like driving a car. It's just, you know. You should, should be. Should well, be. You, have, you have situations that, let's speak to other than what occurred at Sandy Hook. Let's speak to Las Vegas, yeah. right? Let's speak to what is happening, what has happened in Aurora, Colorado, um, where you had persons who are adult males who, you know, I mean, so these aren't the only instances. And my, and my point is, is that we, really? there's got to be some preventative, at least something out there. We can't just, because by the nature that the United States has more guns than people, than any other other country, then by nature, we're going to have and continue to have gun incidents. So I, I just don't see this kind of do nothing, say nothing, forget it, and wait till the next incident occurs. And that's the only yeah. reason why no, I, I, I agree. have to have some type of legislation. I mean, I the, process, the process- Let's see what the legislation comes up then. The, the process of getting guns is way easy. And I mean, in some in certain states, it's way easy. Uh, and then and if, and even if you don't go through the process, getting a gun on the street is way easy. So I don't know how you're going to regulate that. Yeah. Good point. Good point. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so I mean, we're, we, we, we're trying to knock down a wall, a brick wall right now with our bare uh, hands. I did it. Only thing I can say, wrapping this one up, is that uh, if you think about those instances that Trump just brought up, if you did have an assault weapons ban, he might have come after him with a knife or something because those guys are crazy, but you would kill those people. So um, moving on, let's talk about tax and fiscal policy. My favorite. Um, and there's a banker. This ought to be your favorite, too. Um, so typically, you know, Democrats would like to seek, you know, increases on taxes on the wealthiest Americans and then closing tax loopholes. Um, that are, you know, typically used to evade taxes on a legal basis and would usually look to infrastructure spending and things of that nature as a method to kickstart the economy. Um, Republicans uh, typically would seek to reduce taxes on all Americans, not just the wealthiest, but also including the wealthiest of Americans um, and, uh, and businesses for sure. Uh, and typically believe in trickle down economics, uh, which dates back to the Reagan era. Uh, where basically the concept of if you reduce the burden on the job creators, that then trickle down, trickles down to um, the labor laboring class. Um, and then also look to defense spending to bolster the economy and convincing 
Um, well, yeah, they would, I'll leave that last part out. <laughs> do, you, have you, do you think there's been good fiscal policy over the last 20 years? No. No matter who's been in office? Oh, I'm going to tell you why. I don't think there has been because you've had. There's uh, been none. Well, I'll tell you why. You've had um, Republican Republicans in the Senate who have pretty much d- destroyed any capacity to legislate, right? Um, it, I mean, they basically brought the entire government to a standstill. Um, the House of Representatives is oftentimes a, a more uh, a fluid body because they have to get elected every two years. Right. But the Senate, with the rules of filibustering and that kind of thing, it just brings everything to a grinding halt and nothing can get done. Uh, even when you have a majority, if you don't have a supermajority, you still can't get anything done. And I think that's that's been the biggest problem that impacts well, when, fiscal policy. When has there been a supermajority for the Republicans or the Democrats in the Senate? Oh, the Democrats they, had, had it. Obama's, Obama had, no, had 62 years. No, they had a majority, not a super majority. That's right, because they they were they didn't have sixty, so it hasn't happened in a long time. So you had I you mean, had that you had that middle. So the issue is in the Senate, you have to have that middle of the road block to get anything done. It just doesn't exist anymore on the Republican side, and it side. doesn't exist anymore because if you go too far to the right, like the Tea Party, or now some other some other parties. There is no uh, interest groups. <laughs> you know, if you go, if you go, if you go, if you don't go that way, and you reach consensus in the middle, which is what the Senate is there for, the Senate's the rudder. I get that. That steers the ship. Then you are attacked, and you you're attacked by whatever by either side. If you well, go I mean, too, the, if, the current if you go policy too, is if you go, if you're if you're not going too far left, and you're a centrist, you're a centrist Democrat, and you're not going too far left, you're getting attacked by them. So, yeah, like, the, look at the, look at look at the people that have retired over the last five years. You know, yeah. uh, they're all centrists. It said, "Man, mm-hmm. life's too short. I'm getting beat up for this, and I'm trying to do the best thing I've ever I've ever done for the people, and and I'm just getting beat up." Yeah, I, but I mean, hold on, hold on one second. So, think about this for a second. Right now, Mr. McConnell's policy is if he doesn't get a majority of his majority to vote on something, it's not going to get a vote. Right. So even if the centrists got together and said, hey, we think we found some common sense legislation that everybody can give to, to get on board with a bipartisan agreement. Mitch McConnell wouldn't let it go forward because he just he won't take up any democratic orthodoxy, no matter what it is. We haven't done infrastructure spending. I mean, they did none of that under Obama because they didn't want to have Obama's legacy on anything. We, you know. Tax policy has, I mean, they got some of the tax policy through because they changed the filibuster rules so that they could make those changes without having a supermajority. So that's how a lot of those things got through. But outside of that, they, Mitch McConnell won't allow um, any legislation to go through unless it's a Republican piece of legislation. So where's the center left to go? Well, the center left is, um, you know, and that's that's run by that is run by the people to reelect their to elect senators in their states. So, I mean, I, I, you know, Mitch McConnell's agenda or the Republican agenda in the Senate is that I can't change that. And I'm not going to, like, not going to debate it. The house, went, the, the house went more Republican than expected in this last election. True. So it's going to be a challenge for Pelosi to pull it together. Maybe Pelosi and was going too far left. I don't, you know, the impeachment process, the impeachment proceedings, that may not have played well with everybody with bigger things going on. I don't, I don't know. 
I, well, I, the impeachment, I, I, I think. I will tell you. I will. They were trying to get. They were trying to impeach him for jaywalking, honestly. And I, will, I don't. I don't think they raised the level of taking the president out of office. What I think they should have done, they should have taken the Mueller report, which gave them a blueprint for how they should have gone about the impeachment process. Mueller figured that he would hand it off to to legislators who would actually do something with it. Bill Barr looked at it and said, mm, "Nothing to see here." And Republicans said, uh, "I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't had time to look at it." Yeah. And it just died on the vine. So, I mean, many I, people have said there are a number the of impeachable offenses in Mueller's report. I think the last person that wanted an impeachment was Nancy Pelosi, but she went along with it and it didn't end up right. You are correct. And so Another, I think also oh, think what, what and then not, and I'll say I'll give you I'll give you this perspective from a guy that moved away from Washington, D.C. Yeah. That group, the people that are elected into this House and Senate, if they continue mm -hmm. to be elected and they were either businessmen or lawyers or you know whatever lawyers or businessmen but or may have been local politicians that have gained uh been elected to a higher office once they get to washington dc they don't want to leave because it is a great gig it is a fantastic gig you don't have to worry about making payroll it's made for you you got great benefits you don't have to worry about this and then you know i i i I never knew what a recession was until I left Washington, D.C. Because there was never a, re a recession in Washington, D.C. Oh, it was money rolling. Right. Chuck, you had a, always you money had a, rolling. You may have been a recession. You may have called it a recession. But when, when I moved out of D.C. in the in the mid mid to late 80s and hit the first recession from the SNL crisis, I'm like, what the what what what's going on here? This is real economic problems. isn't it? It's not turning around in three months or six months. These people are trying to figure out how to make things happen. And so you get to D.C. and all of a sudden you like, for example, co people from Georgia, they are usually on the Armed Services Committee. Why? Because some of the largest bases. Fort Bragg, in this country Fort Benning, yeah. Oh, Fort are, Benning, we're sorry. Yeah, yeah Fort Benning. And um, and then you have the, the Fort Jackson. Is it Fort Jackson? No, that's in Columbia. You have the fort over in uh, – in uh, Augusta, which is now the new cyber, the base of the cyber security or cyber warfare. Yeah. And then you have Savannah. Uh, and then you have Benning down in, in, in Columbus. But you, um, you, so somebody's always gonna be on armed services committee. So, okay, your local attorney that gets elected to, has done good for the common man around the area and you get elected to the house and you may get on the armed services committee there, you get elected to the Senate. And all of a sudden, you are flying all over the world to every airport, to every military base all over the world and seeing things and being part of something that is bigger than you ever thought you'd be a part of. So, it's, a sad, uh, in, it's a sad commentary on our state of politics. So, Crump, so, hold on, Crump, you had something to say? So anyway, you guys up in D.C., how, how long do you think it takes for those elected people to get up there that have never experienced D.C.? They they. It's the, the aphrodisiac of power is what I call it. Once they get up there, they don't ever want to leave it ever. Oh, I mean, that's I mean, I agree with you there. I mean, ever. that's power. They don't ever want to leave it because that's, that's, yeah. you've got everybody, all your staff kissing your butt, thinking you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. You got this going on. You got that going on. Right. You're really not getting a whole, not a whole lot's gotten done over the last 20, 25 years. And they need to have term limits. I agree with that. I agree yeah. with that. I, I agree I, with that. I don't think it's that's gotten, part of the problem. Yeah. So it's interesting. Right. 
So yeah. when you when 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 you so it's 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 interesting to see the political agendas now. Term limits would term limits force uh, term limits would force a a a uh, revolving a, probably a quicker revolving of 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 that of that uh, elected body. Um, you know, is it twelve years? I don't know. Is it? Is it eight years for the house? Is it 12 well, years? Is it 16 it years? Something. Who knows? But it certainly would be helpful, it's, I think. And I think something. everybody on this panel uh, would agree, would agree that that might be a better solution. Crop, you had a point you were going to make earlier? Well, I had a point earlier. You guys were talking about impeachment and we, and I don't know, we, we, Trump was impeached. So I don't, I'm not certain who, uh, where the confusion lie? I think you it were went it, where it was. It went to the Senate, and it was it was yeah. And and we knew that was going to happen. And Democrats yeah. knew that was going to happen. They didn't have the votes to to take him out. So he was impeached. And a lot of people get this confused all the time. Like what happened? Oh no, I'm not confused. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Go ahead to the next topic. Next Keenly, topic. I just got a quick question because we didn't really get on. We talked about the political atmosphere. We never actually talked about the policy. What do you think uh, about trickle down economics? And do you think that's uh, the, the uh, proper approach? And do you think it makes sense? Well, I don't know. I can, um, you know, I can, I can give you a an example, and I'll tell you a story. Sure. That this is a true story, and. Um, I one summer was an intern at Council of Economic Advisors uh, when Reagan was president. So I was making copies, answering the phone. It wasn't a, it wasn't an, you know, a, a, I wasn't writing policy. I wasn't doing high level economic thinking. I was an accounting major with a bunch of economists. And so one of the senior economists said, "What are you doing this summer?" Pulled me aside. What are you doing this summer? And I said, answering phones and making copies. And he said, well, let me, let me, you know, I want you to walk away with a, with a, with something here that you may, may make this summer better. <clears throat> and I was in the executive office, old executive office building, which is that large granite building next to the, next to the White House. So I said, okay, what you, what, 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 what are you thinking? He said, well, I've got to write something on cafe standards. And I said, what are cafe standards? He goes, corporate average fuel economy. And he goes, let me frame it. He said, the, the left, he didn't say left or right. He said, one, one side of the, of the thought process is that you legislate this to force manufacturers to, to improve fuel economy. The other side says, eh, let the market dictate what to what to do to get there because if you if you force it it may become a very he goes i'll leave it there i'll let you that and you draw your own conclusions so co michael's heard this story probably how many times i told the story co michael a couple times a couple times so i get in i so you know i'm wearing my coat and tie i get into a cab out a yellow cab out of outside the old executive office building, there's this African American cab driver, and he goes, "Where are you going?" And I said, "Man, I'm going to the Library of Congress. I'm researching cafe standards." And the guy goes, "Corporate average fuel economy." And I went, "Really?" And he goes, "He goes, yes, corporate average fuel economy." And I said, 
I slowly got out my binder and started writing down what the guy said. And he was a savant. So Co. Michael that has known me for 22 years, Co. 22 years. 22, 23 years, something like that. So I tell I tell a few stories, one of which is is you never judge a book by the cover. And this was a great story about that. And so I said, well, what do you know about cafe standards? And he goes, well, you know, the combustible engine is about as efficient as it's going to be. You might as well, you might want to look at this periodical, that periodical, popular mechanics, oh. this, 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 and this. And I'm writing this stuff down the whole time, driving up to the Library of Congress. And I said, hey, man, he goes, we're here. And I go, keep driving, keep helping me here. <laughs> and I said, what, what is, you know, and he, he goes, I can't remember the guy's name, but he, I said, well, you know, he goes, I'm, I'm, I'd be curious to keep in touch with you to, to, to uh, see where your research is going to drive you. And I said, well, I'd love to keep in touch with you to keep me pointed in the right direction. What's your number? And he goes, well, don't go through the central thing. Go, here's my page. You guys remember a pager? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's my pager number. Call my pager and I'll know, you know, and tell and I'll return the call and 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 I'll know it's you. So I got all these periodicals down, all these you know, magazines, and this is 1985. So they were just coming out with something called a com computer chips to put in cars. And they were researching ceramics and different metals and different structures on bodies. And the manufacturers were doing that to meet a demand. So if gas went to $4 a gallon, <clears throat> they weren't going to buy, people weren't going to buy a car that got three miles to the gallon. Like my Cadillac convertible that Co and I rode around Morehouse. Right. Which is Co. Michael still in my garage, by the way. <laughs> and and okay. they're going to buy a car that's more fuel efficient. In the meantime, if you legislate a uh, car to go to get 30 miles to the gallon and gas is at 25 cents a gallon and people don't want a car that's going to blow up in an accident and not safe because of inefficient, inefficient manufacturing or not effective manufacturing because it's been legislated as opposed to free market. Uh, that is what that, that side is. Well, I, I coined it together, put it together, gave it to the senior economist, walked out of the room and he goes, I'll get to it. Called me down about 45 minutes later. And he goes, what the hell have you done? I go, you're not gonna believe this. There's African, African American cab driver. He goes, what's his name? We got to use him as a source. And he goes, he doesn't want to be used as a source. I've asked him 10 times. He said he just pointed me in the right direction. It was one of the best summers I've ever had in my life. It was fun to write that. Some of it, some of it, more than some of it was actually put in the economic report of the president. So an accountant actually wrote some of the economic report of the president. But, so it, was a great, but it was a great, it was a great experience in that not only did I learn from an, a, a man who was extremely smart and I, didn't get into personal reasons why he was driving a cab. Maybe he had, maybe he was a retired government employee. Maybe he was a retired something, and that's just what he wanted to do. And wasn't my business. Didn't ask. He didn't offer. Yeah, I've met Uber drivers away made more money than anybody I've ever known. So I get. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. He was a great guy, but he also he also framed this with that example I just gave you. He goes, well, why would you want to buy a car that would blow up or crash? Because it had to be light, and light meant small. Remember those old Toyotas, the first generation Hondas that came in here in the '60s and '70s. 
that if they hit a wall, they'd explode or the Pintos for Pinto is a different, different that, deal. But so that was, that was a Ralph Nader car, man. And uh, but so I learned that the free market in that from this cap, this humble, unassuming cab driver showed me that free market more so than listening to all the stuff over here, over there. If you could make an efficient, if you could react to the market and make something that the market would accept and you could react quickly, that it's a much more efficient method for improving the improving uh, manufacturing and providing expansion opportunities in the workforce. Right. But on the flip side of that, let's say when our president suggested that we use Lysol and bleach as a COVID uh, cure. He said it. I saw the whole interview. He said, maybe we could use bleach. You can test that. We can test these things. When he said that, let's say those are run on the market to buy bleach and Lysol as a cure. The market might have exploded, but that doesn't mean that's the right thing to do, right? <laughs> well, I mean, you, you use bleach. I, mean, I guess you, the point you is. You would use bleach and Lysol and, and whatever to clean things. I don't. He meant to I clean mean, the lungs. No, he didn't. No, that was taken out of context. You do know I watched that whole interview. Like he the did whole not thing. Say, he did not say drink bleach. <laughs> he said maybe you could inject it in the lungs and it'll clean them. But my point that I'm trying to make been. is anyway, I watched the on. whole thing. I watched the whole thing. So, you know, it, we can't say those things out of context. It is what it is. Now, all I'm saying is the free market, though, I, I don't think that's always the best approach because when there's a profit motive involved, there is no altruistic spirit to say we're not going to burn down the, the environment. We're going to like poison the water because we got to have a certain share price. And if we have to add these additional controls in place and like freeze our emissions or whatever, or control our emissions, we may not be as profitable and our share price won't be as high. So that's also the free market, but those things aren't necessarily the best thing for the economy or for the, in that example, the environment. Um, I, in the original question I was asking about tax policy and trickle down economics and I just want to get a feel for your take on like if that actually works um, well I think that it does work I think you know you've seen you've seen many businesses go from garage based to multi-billion dollar corporations because they've had the for sure to, they've had the ability to react to the market quickly so um, do you think that do was, I think trickle down I mean look at Amazon Amazon started yeah. in Amazon started in Bezos' garage. Well, you know what his first innovation was? The internet? What? No. His first innovation was go get some tables because they were tired of bending over, hurting their backs, picking up books. I get that. It made them more efficient. And he always said, he said, and I I'll just paraphrase it. Well, Today was we you know we're t t tomorrow will be a better day than today because we'll learn something from all the mistakes we made today. Got it. Well, I mean, I think Amazon is a great example. There's nothing in government policy that made Amazon a better company. Amazon grew because of demand. So uh, my argument against the trickle-down economics theory and you know reduced taxes on the wealthy is there are no jobs that have ever been no jobs have ever been created because of tax policy. Jobs unless it was infrastructure spending. Jobs are only created by increased demand. That's all. That's you, all we've done over the last forty years is deficit spend. No, no. Jobs are only created by increased demand. So yeah, but, regardless, but, what, but you said deficit spending. What did you say about deficit spending? No, I didn't say deficit spending. I said. Oh, I um, misheard you. Man. I'm sorry. I said 
infrastructure spending can create jobs in, in terms of government spending. But um, the only thing that, like tax cuts don't create jobs. And that's part of the you know, trickle down theory and that you reduce the cost of the business owner or the job creator, and then they just go out and create jobs out of thin air just because they're great, great souls on a healthy economy. They only create jobs when there's demand that requires it. Requires them to be innovative. Would you hire a new banker? Would you hire a new banker if you didn't have the additional need for that, that human capital? No. That's, but I was, I, I mean, would you? Case in point. No. So, <laughs> point. so it's saying trickle down economics doesn't work. Hold on. Now. But if you if you have a demand for a banker, you're going to hire you, him. There you, the demand. No matter what. Saying. Exactly. No matter what. No matter right. what. Yeah. But if you don't have the demand, you're not going to hire him. And if you don't, exactly. have, if you're not so, improving all the time, you're not going to stay in business. You're exactly right. But here's my point. If that's why, no, that's rate, why you that's why you get it done. You're building our rate, The tax rate has nothing to do with that hiring decision. You know, I. Nothing. Oh, think about I this mean, for a second. Think about this for a second. If you have a shoe store, right, and you've got a line down the street of people that are trying to buy shoes, you got two salespeople, and you're like, Jesus, I got four cash registers here. I need to bring in another person because I can need to sell some shoes. Then you bring in another person. You'll create a job because you've got demand that's going to pay for that job. But if they said to you, Hey, we're going to cut your tax rate, you wouldn't just say if you just had regular demand. You wouldn't go out and create that job out of nowhere, would you? If I had the demand, I would. If not, I might pay my employees better or offer benefits, which is what happened. I mean, did your all's taxes go up or down during with the tax law change? My taxes, I believe, went up this year. But I'm not a wealthy person like you guys, so I'm a wage earner. So, you know, I'm not wealthy either. I'm not co no, <laughs> nobody's still like it. Nobody's they changed, uh, when they changed but, the withholding. That's what that's what got me jacked but up. I think, but, I, but I think that that it's you know if you reduce the corporate tax rate, you are certainly helping out. And I don't know how material it is. It depends on the corporation, but it helps out their balance sheet and their to, in order to uh, to uh, make those decisions on how to expand or deploy their uh, deploy their capital better. The only say the only the place lines the pockets of the CEO. Correct. I mean, when, that's all I, it does. You know what? I, I think there are a lot of CEOs that are very selfish. I think it's horrible. I think I think there's horrible what some CEOs are being paid for to fail. Yeah. And and to allow corporate corporate boards to allow that to happen is awful. It is. I mean, it's a fact of it's a fact of what's been going on for the last I don't know twenty years is that. Guys are running companies in the ground, running them very inefficiently and not succeeding. And then they get a bailout package of 20, 30 million dollars. It, it's sickening. It's, sickening. It, it's awful. It's awful. Now, one, one thing I'll tell you about that is that I would only agree with uh, cutting corporate taxes is if they would increase minimum wage to all, you know, as an offset. So if you increase that human capital cost and then you lower those corporate tax rates to, to kind of offset that, I think that'd be a good partnership. Could you agree or with you, that? Or you, or you, or you increase your your staff's wages, which is what some companies have done. I'm not saying every company. But well, I mean, increase your staff's wages. I'm saying that that's the thing that the government could do to support the increase in uh, in that pay for your staff. Yeah, the minimum wage is, you know, it. 
that's a again depending on where you live dc what's 15 dollars an hour going to get you in dc not much it ain't going to get you much in atlanta but it's then now. it ain't gonna get you much in atlanta <laughs> <laughs> i know yeah but okay here's, right, that's, a, that's, a, yeah. that's a good question hold on that's a good question so what do we do with those people we just tell them they need to go to social programs because we want to cut the social programs too right no, I don't. I think that, well, I think that you, do you want, that's, that's a great question, Carl. I think that that person who's making $15 an hour has got to make a decision on how, do they want a better life or do they want the same life? Now, how they, what decisions have they made to get to that point right then and there? But, you, but, but John, you got to consider who who are taking those jobs making fifteen dollars an hour. It might well, be there. There are a lot of people there, and it's. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's well. Okay, hold on. Let me let me address your question directly, real quick. So you said, what decisions did they make to get to the place where they make they're in a fifteen dollars an hour job, right? That question presupposes that the person made some bad decisions along the way, or made some good decisions. I can tell you what. <laughs> I wish my youngest daughter had a $15 an hour job right now. Right. Uh, I guess the only, <laughs> who, only who, who, el who else is in that? Who else is in that chair? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got a 16 year old. I wish you could work. Yeah. yeah. You know, but I mean, COVID is not allowing her, but exactly. She's, but, she's trying to, she's being creative and trying to, to do something online. What, what is she, what is she doing to be creative? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, she's trying to, uh, actually she's buying cell phone backs and designing, putting a design on the uh, cell phone backs and selling them to her, promoting and selling them to her friends. I okay. So she's, cool. she's, she's being innovative. Yeah. She's working around the structure. So she's got a father who's supporting her with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Great. But you so know. Let me let me ask you a quick question, Don. So she's learning. So she's learning business at sixteen. Exactly, and and, and now and now in college they are offering entrepreneurship classes. Right. A class called entrepreneurship, which right? They didn't do when we when we were in college. No, they did. They actually did at Morehouse. I took it. Entrepreneurship. That was an actual class. Yep. We got to the top of the show. So, you know, we want to thank you again for coming on and sharing your views. Um, wish we could have kind of nailed you down a little bit, but I'm used to having these conversations with conservatives and this was kind of par for the course. Yeah, I'm not, you, you know, I'm not a real big conservative. I'm more of a middle, middle of the road kind of guy. I we, think we'll, we'll argue about that over beers when we get out of COVID. We'll do hey, that. come on down here, man. I'd love to have a beer with you. That'd be, that would be man, it, come, Please come down, man. I'm, oh, no, for sure. We will. Like, subscribe, give us your feedback. We love hearing what you got to say. Let us know what you think. And, uh, yeah, like I said, we got merch. It's going to be out there on IG. Check us out on Instagram. And uh, go get your house, the house landing for gear. So, uh, until next week, thanks. We are out. Peace. Now, carry on. Ha, ha, ha.